You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 391. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello, how are you? I'm great. It's a uh, beautiful day here in Michigan. We've got... Yeah, it's a nice day here, too. Yeah, we've got pretty okay. nice weather coming up in the next week, and it's a, uh, you know, not too long ago, we were talking about polar vortexes and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So we're going out to a thing called the Michigan State Biological Preserve. We call it the Bird Sanctuary. Um, they got, you know, it's one of those things that you walk through and you feed the ducks and the geese and, uh, they got a couple of birds of prey and, you know, we will be there probably an hour, hour and a half. Um, very nice. Cole's going with me and you know, Julie and I, uh, because Brooke has spent the night last night because their spring break officially started. They spent, she spent the night with a friend. So, mm-hmm. and, uh, it's, yeah. it's going to be a good day for it. Pretty sure Alexandra is on holiday soon. Charlotte and Alexandra are always on the same holidays because she goes to a Jewish school. And because we have extra Jewish holidays, sometimes her they kind of make it up on off the main holidays. But I'm pretty sure um, Alexandra is maybe next week. Or and, week. and he goes to a satanic school. So yeah, well, infidel yes, school. Infidel. I like to call it. Yes. Uh, speaking of yeah. an infidel, Apple had an event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great segue. Yeah. Uh, they had a big event this last week, and of course, it record, they, they did the big event the day after we recorded the last episode. Yeah. And so we really haven't had a chance to discuss it, and so we're going to kind of focus on that for the first half of the show. And for our wiki trolling segment, we're going to talk about the self-checkout lanes that everyone just loves at, uh, at grocery stores, and they're kind of making their way around. But let's yeah. start with Apple. Um, I don't have a list in front of me of everything they talked about, but that's okay. Let's start with the – some people seem to go, at least following some people on Twitter and, and Facebook, oh, they're so excited about the new Apple card. And – Every single one I saw posted, well, not everyone, but most of them, I would post a little emoji that showed someone's falling asleep because really, this is, this is an Apple event. They have a, they have a credit card that's a Goldman Sachs partner and ugh. Well, I think, I think you need to contextualize everything that was it. I mean, let, let's face it, the week before they did a whole slew of hardware announcements via press release. Yeah where normally they would have an event and they cleared the deck so they could talk purely services at this event. I, I read this event as this event wasn't really aimed at people like you and me uh, or the regular Apple fans. This was aimed solely at Wall Street. This was about reassuring Wall Street that after that um, miss in earnings they had um, in the last quarter, that you know they're all over services and showing off all the services they're planning to bring in. Uh, and a credit card is one of those services. I have to say, as somebody who uses an Amex card that has it, – it works in a very similar way to this. It has an app on the phone that allows you to see your balance at any time. You get notifications any time you use it, uh, obviously integrated with Apple Pay. Um, you know, this is – Apple has basically adopted what what I would say is the gold standard plus in terms of how you use a credit card with an iPhone – because they're basically they're they're building off the back of Apple Pay and the security associated with that. 
and so I, th- I think it's going to be uh, for people who use it it's going to be a, a nice product and for people who want it it's going to be a nice product is it going to change the world or revitalize apple's financial fortunes and become the next iphone absolutely not but it's just it's part of their services play and it's one that makes sense and i think in terms of what they showed us on monday at least it's a thing that's real then people can get right now whereas everything else is kind of yeah effectively vaporware may or may not happen at some point in the future so at least it was something tangible you get a titanium physical card with it that doesn't have numbers or anything on it which is okay that's fine um i already have apple pay set up it works with my bank it gives me notifications when I use my card. Um, I, I don't understand why this is a thing. Well, a lot, a lot of banks' applications are not great, to be honest, on the iPhone. No, no, no. I don't um, use the bank applications. I, I use Apple Pay. I, I took oh, a yeah, picture but, of my card. It popped up. Amex works. Visa works. MasterCard yeah, works. But this is this is this is not about payment. The, the the point about this is this is a classic Apple. We can take something and we can make it better by using the combination of our hardware, software, and services. But I didn't the, see anything the, that that's better well, than the, what I'm already doing. The, the big sell on this is is the app that comes with the, the Apple Card that allows you to uh, monitor exactly where you are, see exactly where your cash back, the cash back you're earning on the card is on a day-by-day basis, um, get get help to to pay the card off and understand what happens if you don't if you just pay the minimum amount every month see your fees straight away and everything it's all stuff that traditionally the banking industry does very very badly because they like to keep you in the dark as much as possible so they can hit you with fees and not give you a chance to query them no that's true what what apple is trying to do here is trying to do something that's actually very straightforward and standard and you can understand it by looking at an app on your phone and you always know where you are the fact that they're already saying we're we're not going to charge fees we're not going to charge late payment fees we're not going to charge all the the charges that typical banks do um, we'll see, oh no, the, the caveat of that is well, let's see how long that lasts. I've had yep. cards in the past that have all sorts of great terms and conditions. We want to bank a different way and everything like that. And then the reality is as soon as they get popper, popular, the fees start to come in again yep. because they basically say we can't afford to – you know, we can subsidize the fees for uh, – because obviously, they, you know, Goldman Sachs wants to make make money off this as well. They, they we, can, we can subsidize the fees for half a million or a million users, but when you've got 10 million users, that's too much money. All of a sudden, we're going to have to pass that on to the customer. So we'll see how long these things last. But, you know, I, I think, as I say, it's if, if you're going to have a credit card from a company, this is probably as, as good a one to get as any. It doesn't give you the same amount of cash back that others do, but you know what? They they won't ding you at first first glance for the fees. The titanium card thing is, you know, it's it's a gimmick. It's a gimmick, yeah, because you know the whole point is you don't earn as much cash back using a physical card. They want you to use Apple Pay. Now, the interesting thing for me is that this is only launched in the U.S., where Apple Pay is nowhere near as ubiquitous as it is here in Europe. If they launched this here, it'd be really easy because everywhere has has contactless terminals. Yep. I can use Apple Pay pretty much anywhere I want nowadays, and I do all the time. I've, so I, far, we're still pretty useful limited to me here. here. Yeah. I mean, I go out of my way to go to a certain gas station simply because they accept Apple Pay at the pump. I don't have to go in. I just get out. I swipe my watch, pump, and I go. Yeah. You know, that's a convenience. Now, this gas station in particular, it's about five cents a gallon more than one closer to my house. But yeah. just the convenience factor alone, I'm willing to pay the extra five cents. 
you know. Yeah. So. Whereas, whereas here, I, I'd, I'd be surprised. I'd have to go really far out of my way to try and find a gas station that wouldn't work with Apple Pay. Yeah. Well, yeah. and, you guys and are here, a lot more progressive when it comes to well, that. Yeah, every, everything here is supports contactless. Yeah. And, and here, we, we it's even better because uh, the, the contactless limit in the UK for a card is £30. So you can't do a transaction over that, except if you do Apple Pay, it'll go up to about £100 because it's more secure. Yep. So, you know, there are advantages to it. And obviously, <clears throat> Apple wants to build Apple Pay up. And by making the virtual card on your phone the primary card, effectively, and the titanium thing is just like a, a sop for people who want something physical... Uh, you don't even earn as much cash back on the on the physical card as you do on the on the phone. Um, you know, it's, it it tells you which way they want to go. But as I say, you've, I think you've got to look at all of this as a lens through uh, looking at it at Wall Street and the shareholders to say, look, this is Apple, and we are trying to build services into a bigger business than it is. So the other um, thing that Apple really kind of focused on, or uh, one of the other things, was Apple Arcade. Now, as we both like video games. Um, at first I thought, is this more of a steam, a a steam type of thing, but it's not, it's, it works with both the Mac, uh, iPad, uh, Apple TV, iPhone, of course, you have a monthly subscription, which they conveniently that I could find anyways, didn't say how much it's going to be. My guess is going to be 10 bucks. Um, so let's say it's 10 bucks. Maybe it's 20. I don't know. Whatever it is. It's all going to be premium games with no in-app purchases and it's not the freemium titles that's going to show you ads. It's it's the full game, uh, stuff like I I would imagine like the Lego stuff and you know, um, they got some big names that's going to be contributing to this. And I think it's only going to get better. I think from a parent's perspective, say you get your kid an iPad and you get the subscription and he just has all these games. There's no, no more of this, you know, they accidentally spent, you know, $3,000 on your credit card for all these in-app purchases, all these scammy things. Yeah. Uh, and, and let's be honest, it's a direct result of Apple. And when they released the App Store and allowed in-app purchases, they're the ones that created this monster in the first place. So, yeah, the, I, I definitely think they didn't see that coming. No, I well, mean, who could have? Yeah, and nobody sort of comes. No. It's, ridic- it's ridiculous that a full price game uh, often barely recovers on the App Store, barely recovers its development costs, and yet games like Cash of Clans are making literally billions of dollars from in-app freemium purchases. Yep. But you know what? It is something that's got to die. It's, it it's does. Horrible. I agree. 100%. It's really, really horrible. It's 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 very much the seedier side of the of the mobile phone game industry. Um, and you know what? I was quite. I was quite pleased to see Apple Arcade, even though I was frustrated that we don't have a launch date and we don't have a price yet. Well, they we said fall. Have, they said fall. Well, of, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, they, could, yeah. That's a, they also said the AirPower would come out. The Air, AirPower Mac would come out last year, and it didn't. Well, yeah, that's just, the exception they, to the rule. Apple usually does come out with stuff when they say they're if they say they're going yeah. to. They usually hit their marks. But you know, the question then is: is why talk about it now if you're going to well. only release it in the fall? But again. It's because of Wall Street. It's about showing that they've got service subscriptions coming um, and showing showing an attractive offering. Now, this was this is interesting to me. I've got to be honest, because from my point of view, I am tired of. I, I tend. To, I don't really pay pay um, 
the freemium games. And if I do play any of them, I certainly don't use in that purchase to, to pay the money. So I'm always buying um, full price games that, that look interesting to me. The problem is I have so little time to play games that often, by the time I come to play them, I find they're not being updated anymore and they don't work. Yeah. Um, you remember a few years ago I bought Bioshock? Yes. Uh, never got around to playing it, and then eight months after it was launched, they pulled it from the App Store. It's never been updated again. So. I would buy this service just to avoid that because obviously things that are in the service are going to be there. They're going to be maintained. They're going to be looked after. That's part of the pipeline that Apple is building here. And yes, for the kids as well. I, I have um, the, the child restrictions on my kids' iPads. So I'm always getting, you know, oh, well, uh, Alexander would like to buy this game or Charlotte would like to buy this game. And their attitude is, oh, it doesn't cost anything. It's free. Just approve it. But of course, you and I both know what that means. And even though I have in-app purchases turned off for them, so they can't accidentally run up a bill, it's a frustrating experience for them to play a game and then hit some sort of paywall that you're expected to um, in-app purchase your way through. Um, and I'd rather them not play games like that because basically it's a bait and switch. And I'd rather them appreciate real games for what they are. So I, and what, what I like about Apple Arcade is apparently one subscription and that works for the entire family. Yep. So... You know, that sounds attractive to me. And so $10 a month, $120 a year, is yes, that's expensive compared to what I might spend a year on uh, iOS games. But if you if you put all three or four of us into that, then actually it doesn't sound too bad at all. Now, from a developer standpoint, they get paid when people play their games. So it's not like they submit their games and it's immediate revenue. So I think two fronts of that, if you're a game developer... You better make a good game because you're not going to get paid if you don't. But if you do make a good game, this is going to be, you know, pretty much guaranteed mm-hmm. revenue. P- there's no barrier to entry for someone downloading the game. You don't have to constrain the game to to force people to buy something extra. You can just make a yeah. great game and and make money. And I think that could trickle down to the console games, PC gaming and really start making a difference for the developers. It, you know, they, they don't have to worry so much about, boy, how are we going to market the game? How are we going to get it out there? Um, to begin with, Apple's going to do that for you. If it's a really good yeah. game, they're going to promote it. And it, there's just no cost of, of entry for people to get in and play your game. And if it's no, well, really it's, good, yeah. which you're going to want to make it, so people play it more, you're going to make more money without the gimmicks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everybody, everybody in the in the app store at the moment, they want to get those coveted recommended spots that the Apple editorial team put on the front of the uh, of the app store pages. Yeah. Because if if you do that, it's a real boost in revenue. Now, this is another way of getting your games to be promoted by Apple in front of millions of gamers. Uh, and of course, you know, being an Apple subscription service, they're also going to be promoting it to people who don't subscribe. So. Apple are going to be doing an awful lot of work to try and um, try and get that get those get that service in front of people, and if, which is only going to help you as a developer. And if you have a game that, let's see, I, I, here's a perfect example. Um, there's these five games that I bought, and they were all in-app purchase to unlock the whole game, and I did. And each one was, I'm going to say, five bucks. Okay, mm-hmm. so I bought these games. And I beat them, and they're resource management games, but I like to go back and play them again. And I really enjoy playing them on the iPad. I just, the bigger screen makes all the difference. I can't even play it on my iPhone 8 Plus. The screen's just not big enough. Yeah. And so 
this developer sold all of these games to another developer. So there was an update and I updated all my games and all my in-app purchases are gone. So I went into the uh, iTunes store and sure enough, tons of complaints and their response is just email us and, and uh, with your uh, Apple ID and we will uh, unlock the game for you again. Except I did that and nothing. So if this is a subscription service and this kind of shady thing happens, and I know all they're doing is trying to get people to rebuy the games, and I, I yeah. refuse. As much as I enjoy the games, they're not going to rip me off. Um, Apple's just going to pull it, and you're going to make zero revenue. So you're going to have to yeah. update it to work with the latest iOS. Um, you know, these kind of shady things are going to be gone. So do you think, though, then this trickles down? Because remember, Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo really want to go to download-only games. That's that's their goal. They don't want the physical media anymore, uh, and neither do developers. Developers may say it. Oh yeah, we like the, the you know the physical media. They hate it because of used game market. Um, if they go subscription service to all these different platforms, ten bucks, fifteen bucks for Sony, for instance, and you just download and play any game you want. They're kind of already doing that, but with the older game catalog. But yeah. Microsoft has taken it a step further. Their Xbox Game Pass, there's new games to download every single month. Yeah. Uh, including brand new games. When the new Crackdown came out, it was part of you know the, the yeah. Xbox Game Pass, and I downloaded it and played it. The flip side of that, though, is every single time I go to play this game, there's an update, and it has to download like 60 gigabytes. And it's just... It, pisses me off to no end oh yeah this is this is why i haven't got a, a latest gen console yeah because i just haven't got the bandwidth to support the way that they manage those games at all it's bad to be honest with you it's kind of bad enough on the ipad in that um sometimes you know you go to play a game and and um also as well some sometimes they they are updating assets inside the game rather than through apple yeah so you, you're not getting an update icon but then you launch the game, and then it says, "Oh, um, update any." You know, normally put some cutesy term about it. You know, uh, rearranging the bytes or something like that. Yeah. And, what, and basically, what it's doing is downloading a whole lot of stuff off the server, and you can't play. Mm -hmm. um, I, I look. I, I I hope this service takes off, and it does get rid rid of a lot of the shady stuff. EA, for example, um, when the when Plants vs Zombies Two came out, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't really full of rubbish. It wasn't the, there wasn't that much of the freemium type stuff and the right. add-ons and the DLC and stuff. I went back to play it um, just a couple of weeks ago, actually, um, and it's now just been transformed into effectively a full freemium game. Um, it's 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 saturated with all that stuff. And I just immediately deleted it. I'm never going to play it again because yep. I, I just don't want to deal with it. Even if I don't have to pay money to play the game, I don't. I, it just it maybe it's my uh, middle-aged brain, but to me it's just confusing. Yeah, it's confusing to try and figure out what is real, what is required to play the game, what is just froth that doesn't really matter. What's because you're presented with offers and events and bits and pieces, and you just can't. I just just like I don't want to put the time in to try and figure out what the developer is trying to do at this point. And I it, hope all of that stuff is gone from this Apple Arcade. Yeah, well, it's, I I guarantee you it's going to be because Apple's just not going to allow games in there unless they're exactly that, the full game. Yeah. Um, and Apple even said 
there's going to be no in-app purchases, no ads. So I think this goes a long way to solving the problem. Uh, the flip side of that is, do they still allow the freemium and the crappy stuff to exist side by side with the subscription service? And I think they do for a couple of years, but honestly, I think long term, Apple's going to do away with it. If you want, if you want your games on Apple TV uh, and the Mac, know. you got to be in the subscription service. Uh, the the problem is, is that they want services revenue, and you've got to remember they have Clash of Clans made five point six billion in its life. They've got had thirty percent of that, so. Um, you know that they they are disincentivized to getting rid of those things. I think what they want to do is just have, the, you know, the the general app store that that might be full of that stuff, and then the premium thing you pay them extra for to get away from it. And you know what? I kind of, you know, it's easy for me because I I can afford to pay ten dollars a month. I've got to be honest. If it's more than ten dollars a month, that's going to make me go. Mm, I'm not sure. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what it's priced at. Yep. The other question I have though is that as a as a developer of a full of a full time game. You know, a proper premium price game, five ninety nine, whatever, something like that. If you go into Apple Arcade, does that mean you can't sell it independently? These are the sort of things that I think it's going to be interesting to see how they fall out. You know, do you have to be an Apple Arcade exclusive? Because some developers, suppose if suppose you launch a game, I don't know, um, Asteroids twenty twenty. Yeah, and it's a it's a bold new take on asteroids, and it absolutely blows up, and everyone's talking about it. Yeah, then I would be in, I expect that developer to be in position to say, well, I'm fine. I like putting it in Apple Arcade, but I'd also like to sell it to people who don't want to pay the ten dollars a month, but actually would like to play my game. Yes, I wonder whether Apple's going to let them do that or not. Uh hmm, it's a good question. Obviously, time's going to tell, and I think the success of the subscription service is going to go a long, long way to answering a lot of these questions. And it'd be interesting to see if Apple can pull this off, because let's face it, historically, they've not been good at this sort of thing. Um, And uh, they've kind of... They often go big on games at at an event and then kind of leave it fallow afterwards. So I really hope that they they put the right resources in to keep this maintained and it doesn't just become a graveyard after the initial splash. What's your gut instinct? I don't know, to be honest. I, I, we'll, we'll come on to News Plus in a minute, but I, I'm not thrilled about the level of development that goes into Apple News. Um, and well, let's it, and let's go ahead and start it, that right now, yeah. then. So they, so they also said that there's a new 10 bucks a month, and this is, I think, why people are assuming that Arcade is going... It's called Apple Arcade, the other one. Uh, is going to be 10 bucks a month because this new service, uh, for basically it's a subscription to... A ton of magazines for ten bucks a month. Yeah, and and newspapers as well. Newspapers, yeah, yeah. But some newspapers only, still not the whole thing. Yeah, uh, and the and you know the 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 sell with Apple News is is it's all curated content, right? Yeah. So um, the idea is is that you you know you're getting a quality experience for ten dollars a month. I've, the problem I have with Apple News, um, and I haven't seen News Plus because they haven't launched the app here in the UK yet, but the problem, I like Apple News principally because I already read a lot of the sites that are in Apple News. Yep. I read Ars Technica, I read the BBC and that sort of thing. And if you read them in Apple News, you get an experience without banner ads, without pop-ups, without 
all of the crap that the web gives you Correct. all the time. So I like doing that, but the app frustrates me. I want to be able to do what I do with an RSS reader. I want to have, okay, I want to see a feed from this guy, and I want to see a feed from this guy, and I want a list of their articles in chronological order, and I want you to recognize when I've read one so you don't show it to me anymore. That's what I do with an RSS reader. You can't do that in Apple News at the moment. It basically, they make it really hard to favorite anything. The interface is quite unintuitive. Uh, and most critically is it doesn't seem to show you when you've read an article. So you don't get a chronological list. You get something that kind of looks like a newspaper. Um, and so you can look at an article. You don't know whether, whether you've read it, whether it's changed or anything like that. So it doesn't give me the experience that I'm personally seeking. Um, and... The other thing is that I'm hearing on News Plus that a lot of the publications on there, they aren't kind of web-style content. They're just PDFs. Yeah, and that's terrible. I, I, nobody wants to read a PDF. No. Yeah. No, it's, it's horrible. You know, because, yeah, if you're on a small device, then it's too small to read, and you start pinching and zooming all around it. That's a, it's a terrible experience. Yep. And it's it should be unnecessary in today's age. Oh, it's One, it's unexcusable. Yeah. Yeah. One criticism I've heard is some people saying, look, you know, we have a standard for presenting this content and it's called HTML on the web. And yet this is a proprietary thing that, um, you, for instance, you apparently you can't even link out to a web page from inside Apple News. It will only give you news links to other news stories. And even if I were as an Apple News subscriber to send you an Apple News link, it would only then try and open on your div- machine in Apple News. It wouldn't go to the website. So uh, those are things that they're going to have to figure out over time because if it's a, if there's too many barriers, people just aren't going to use it. And let's face it, Apple's had Newsstand for years and nobody's used it. No, it's and been a had, failure. They've had news for a couple of years and apparently it's really popular because it's there on the on the on the app. I know, for instance, my wife reads it. I do too. Uh, she, I use know. news all the time. Yeah, but the, the the problem is the development of the app is very, very slow. And that's what concerns me about this because it's typical Apple launch something with a big splash. And as soon as the service and the app is finished, you take those engineers and you put them somewhere else. And, you know, there's normally one guy sat in a broom cupboard somewhere who's responsible for looking after it. And it's, that's just it not good enough. Way. I agree a hundred percent. I, you know, here's the other aspect of that. How many people care about magazines and newspapers today? They just go to the website nowadays. So, what is what problem is this solving? Well, I I, I think you you do for a start. You have to, as I say, look at it through the lens of services for Wall Street. No, no, I get Any, that. I'm saying yeah. for us, the end user, what is this solving? Well, I, I, a lot of people do read magazines. I and I know them. I've I've known historically from spending time in the states since I was a boy that magazines were never as big a thing in the, U- in the U.S. as they are in the U.K. No. In the U.K., they are still huge. And you go into any news agents and you will see uh, probably four or five times the amount of space you guys get in a typical news agent devoted to magazines here. In every news agent, they are much, much bigger. They're much more popular uh, and people still buy them. So I guess the idea is is that for anybody with a, a good-sized smartphone or a tablet, this allows you to access all of those magazines without having to buy each one, and they're expensive. You know, so that's the idea. Having said that, I think you'll find that people who want to browse magazines will like it, but people who like to subscribe to a particular title will still prefer to get the print copy. You know, yeah. my, my son my son has this. There's two magazines he, he subscribes to. He gets um, all about history 
and he gets uh, what's the other one called? How it works. It's kind of like a science magazine. Yep. Yeah. And I said to him several times, I said, "Would you like the digital subscriptions though, so you can read them on your iPad?" He says, "No, I like." He says, "I like having the paper copies." You know, I, he says, "I have a stack of them. I can go back and look at them anytime I want to." You know, if there's something tangible that he really likes, and he won't have the digital copies. So I think for somebody who, you know, for instance, has a subscription to Car and Driver in paper, is probably going to stick with that. They're not going to trade it for this. I agree. The, the, you know, the idea, the problem with with these services is that they're the sort of thing that sounds attractive when you go into it, but when you actually have it, you kind of realise that you you're spoiled for choice and all that choice you've got, and most of it you don't want to read anyway. You know. So do you think it's going to be a big hit, or do you think it's going to be kind of a meh? I think it's a meh, personally. Uh, yeah, you, I have to say, I think, I think it's got a more of an uphill struggle. I think the market is more restricted for it. Is it the um, same app? It, is it the same news app? It's the same. It, well, it, it, apparently it's been updated, but it's effectively it's one app. Now, in some respects, that's good. Um, if you If you get digital copies of... I don't know, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, something like that. At the moment, you have to use their own apps, and each one's different. Each one works a different way. They, um, and, of course, you're paying multiple subscriptions for all of those different things. So this brings it all together. One app controlled by Apple, um, setting standards, uh, that sort of thing. Um, so I just um, launched and it. one payment. I just launched News, mm-hmm. and... It, it looks exactly the same, the, fame, the the front page, if you will, that you could just scroll down, and it's got a bunch of stories, you know, stuff from CNN, Politico, People, Fox News, you know, and it's, it's technology. So 9 to 5 Max in there, The Verge is in there, Gizmodo, Slate. I mean, all this stuff is still there. And then to the right of that, at the bottom of the screen, it says News Plus, and you click that. And it says, everything you love about Apple News, plus hundreds of magazines and leading newspapers off for one price. Try it for free. Um, and then, but you can start scrolling down. Like, oop, there's Wired. So what happens if I click Wired? Um, it kind of gives you what's in the magazine. And if you click anything, of course, it gives you like a half a page of that and then try Try the try the you know news plus so that's oh. that's not too bad. I mean, it kind of gives you an idea of what it's going to look like if you actually subscribe. Um, yeah, months free trial as well. So as long as you remember to cancel the subscription, you can actually try the whole thing out. Um, I, I'd look it. It's 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 going to be interesting, but it really does depend on the support from the industry. Yeah. I think this is great for the publishing industry. Well, it could be a saving you know, grace for them. Yeah, because cause this is, again, it's the same with the, with the video games we were talking about. This is a guaranteed user base, who, uh, and you're going to get a cut of revenue. I don't know exactly how it works. Yeah, whether I don't either. You have to, whether you have to click on a, a car and driver for them to get paid. My, my instinct says yes, that yeah. you're going to get paid. It's going to be a pay-per-click type of thing. And, you know, I guess that's fair. Because um, yeah. if no one reads your content, why should you get paid? And if people are reading your content, shouldn't you get more than the magazine that's not getting anybody reading anything? Yeah. I mean, that makes yeah, sense guess, to me. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, whether it whether it's a, you know, a slam dunk, the problem is this doesn't seem like something that people have been crying out for. There are already solutions like this. Um, and so uh, 
I I question whether the market is big enough to make it the stellar hit that Apple that Apple hopes for. Well, that's always going to be. I mean, for, for everything that they launch, including the thing that they talked about but haven't launched yet, and that's the uh, is it called Apple TV? What is it? Apple TV Plus. Yeah. So this is the one thing that I, I think we both agree that everybody wanted to see more about. This was the thing yeah. that they were going to tune in to see. And all Apple really did was show a montage of upcoming shows. Uh, Steven Spielberg, Oprah Winfrey, you know, the people that's been doing it forever, to me, completely boring. None of the new people, the really innovative people that have been doing stuff for the last couple of years, uh, really kind of pushing the whole thing forward. Um, but here's here's my question. I, I still don't know what the hell Apple TV Plus is. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know how much it costs. I don't is it original programming only or is it including Netflix? Is it I I don't know what the hell it is. It was a this was stupid. This was a complete waste of time. They did a whole lot of talking, but they didn't show you or tell you anything at all. Yeah, I I couldn't help feeling from what from what you saw here that this is at such a nascent stage. They've spent so much time trying to tie down the deals that nothing is actually tangible has been done yet, which to me is stupid. It's Absolutely completely stupid. stupid. I, again, they had the van event. They needed to tell Wall Street, all that sort of thing, but I think they could have played this completely differently. I would have killed... If I'd have been in their position, I would have killed people to get uh, sizzle reels together, to get real actors in costume actually doing stuff. Um, so you, you could demonstrate what this service is going to be about rather than just rolling out a whole load of celebrities and each of them going, oh, well, yeah, well, my show's going to be great, which is, is, you know, we don't know how much it's going to cost. We don't know. As you say, it's, it's unclear. Apparently, they're talking about something where you can, you know, if you want to, if you want to see something on Hulu and you're using Apple TV Plus, you'll just click on it and get it. It's not clear whether that's subscribing to it inside or whether you get it as part of your fee. Uh, it's it's. It, does it complete? Does it compete with Netflix and Disney, or does it? More, is I, it I cannot, is it a front end for those services? And Apple also I, has their. I, I don't I have no idea. I think the reality is is this is basically this is just another Netflix, another Amazon Prime, another Disney. But this is with the Apple's brand. And, and and I think that's going to be a colossal disaster for them. I think it'll be a huge failure. I really do. Well, it's a, it, it depends on what shows they pull off. The difficulty is, is that we know that Apple has a reputation for um, constraining the creative content to make sure it fits with what they view their brand to be. Well, here's so, the thing, for though. For instance, would you, would you ever get in an Apple service a show like Game of Thrones, which involves people having their heads chopped off and right. a lot of nudity and sex and swearing and all of that? Would you ever get a show like that on, on Apple TV? Because really, that's where stream service, streaming services are hitting it at the moment. It's doing stuff that you don't see on regular TV. And... You know, I'm not sure whether Apple's going to be able to deliver that. Certainly what they've been doing up until now has been very, very bland. Yeah, it's been not good at all. And here's no. the thing. The the creatives that are out there making really good stuff, they're all pretty much locked up. Apple rolls out all these big stars from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we're supposed to get excited about this, I guess. Um, and it's the same people that were doing stuff for other networks and platforms and but now all of a sudden this is supposed to be a big thing 
uh, and more worryingly, uh, one uh, the biggest one was was somebody we were roundly criticising just the other week yeah. for his stilty. I mean, it, are you telling me now that that if Steven Spielberg decides to release a movie on on Apple TV Plus, that he doesn't want that considering consideration for awards now? Well, he actually came out and said, "Oh, I never said those things. That was misconstrued. Yeah, BS. Because right. because sure. of the backlash, all of a sudden it yeah. was misconstrued." Um, but- it, here's the thing. All the greats that are doing really innovative stuff, they're locked up already. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that Apple can't find new talent. Absolutely. This world is full of talented people, especially if you look past Hollywood. You know, go to India, go to England, go to China and Japan. Find new creative talent that can really make stuff that we've never seen before or fresh takes on stuff. You know, it doesn't have to be all 100% original stuff. Uh, yeah. Make a new A team, but do it do it in a really cool way. That would be cool. But you know, Disney's going to lock up the kids' market. They're going to lock up the Star Wars and the Pixar and the Disney and, and the Marvel. In the Marvel, that's all going to be locked up. Okay, so who else out there is making original content that's really good? Well, Amazon is making some really decent stuff, but it's so sparse. When you go into Amazon Prime, it's it's almost a joke. I mean, they have a handful of original shows that come out once a year, and that's about it. I mean, it, it really is sparse on Amazon. It, yeah. It's it's kind of a joke when you compare it to The King of the Hill, which is Netflix. And Netflix, let's be honest, is killing it. They are yeah. killing it. They have original content coming up every single week, not just TV shows. But they also have animation. They also have movies. I'm in the middle of watching documentaries. Yeah, stand-up comedians. That's where the stand-ups are all going now. They're not going to Comedy Central or HBO anymore. It's all Netflix. So Netflix, in my opinion, is going to be really hard to dethrone. And I think between that and the Disney stuff, I don't think people are going to pay a dime for Apple stuff. Not a dime. Why would well, they? CBS so, Access is actually doing pretty well with the Star Trek, and they've got some pretty cool. They got the Picard series coming up, which I'm yep. extremely interested in. The new uh, Star Trek series has been just fantastic. Um, yeah, and and actually, Apple's got a further problem as well, which is in the U.S. market at the moment you have to pay separate subscriptions for all of these things. Mm-hmm. So. You know, Netflix, Amazon Prime, you've got to, you've got to buy Amazon Prime, uh, Hulu, Disney, all of that. You know, that amounts up to quite a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. The disadvantage that Apple has is hit, take the UK as well. Here in the UK, half of those shows you just talked about, I can get on Netflix. Exactly. Star Trek, Star Trek is, is on Netflix here because, because CBS doesn't work, doesn't operate here. So they push it out through Netflix. Yep. So that makes Netflix an even stronger proposition outside of the US because a lot of the US proprietary streaming stuff is on Netflix. And so, uh, you know, people are going to say, well, do I need, do, I'm already geared up to only buy one service, which is Netflix. Yeah. So am I, I'm going to be prepared to pay the additional amount. Now, the only thing that could make a difference to this is if, is if Apple does some sort of bundle with all of these things. Now, that's bundle, what I was going to get to in a yeah. minute. Yeah. You spend they 20 bundle, bucks a month, you yeah. get arcade, you get news, you get the video, you get all this you get, stuff. Well, you basically, basically get all of it. Yes. That's what you need to have. There's no point saying, all right, we're going to have a, a, a music and video bundle or a, a, a video and games bundle. They basically got to make it simple. It's like yep. one price and you get all of it. Uh, unlimited, you know, and and 
shared among everyone in your family. That's the way they've got to they've got to do this. If they're going to do that. When, I think individually album, these things don't stand yeah. up. When a new album comes out, you can immediately listen listen to it on your Apple Music immediately day the day it comes out. So here's what Apple could do to make their service really kind of jump and and become become a player on day one when a new digital movie comes out. You know, when the next Avengers movie hits digital and iTunes, you can immediately watch it as part of that service. You yeah. don't have to buy it. You can just watch it. You stream it. And you know it's going to come out on iTunes to buy, you know, a couple months before it hits Netflix or HBO. So, boom, you can just watch it. Now, yeah. would the movie studios allow that? They're going to give up that $10 digital download? For the first couple months before it hits the streaming services? I don't know. But I think that's the only hope that Apple has of making the streaming service anything more than a pathetic attempt to copy what everybody else is already doing and doing extremely well. Unless they bundle it. If Apple takes all of these services and just simply bundles it for $20 a month, I think it will be extremely popular. Apple will jump to the top of the streaming service because they'll have games, they'll have music, they'll have magazines and newspapers, they'll have TV shows and movies. Yep. Unfortunately, if they do that, then they're probably going to start attracting some um, anti-competitive interest from the regulators. Well, but you got to take those chances. Otherwise, you're just an also-rand. Yeah. yeah. You know, so... That was the week of Apple. Um, you know, for the non-Apple people listening to the show, a lot of this stuff does affect non-Apple users because, you know, it's changing the industry, maybe. Um, we do want to stop for a second and thank our sponsor, MacSales.com. Uh, their specials page is looking extremely attractive right now. Um, uh, yeah, and in fact, I, I spotted the other day something that uh, I don't think we've ever talked about this before. Um, I didn't realize that OWC did this, but they sell OEM Apple parts. Yeah. So if you need to replace a screen on a laptop or a keyboard or something like that, they supply those parts as well. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, you're getting the advantage with uh, with OWC that they will help you choose the right part, make sure it's compatible with your particular device. Uh, obviously, they've got the videos where they show you how to fit stuff as well. Um, and it, it's, it's got to be a better way of buying parts for your broken laptop or, or iMac than going onto eBay and taking a chance with a Chinese seller. Yeah. That's the last thing you really want to do. Yeah. I mean, these machines cost a lot of money, let's be honest. And sometimes you don't want a third-party whatever it is, a screen. You want another OEM, but guess what? Apple won't sell you a new screen for your laptop for you to fix yeah. yourself. It's not an yeah. option. And even if you go to a, a like an Apple specialist, uh, Apple-approved reseller, then they'll charge you Apple prices for that. They which will. Which are ridiculous. If they're even allowed yeah. to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's... Uh, Let's jump to our wiki trolling. Oh, by the way, make sure you guys check out MacSales.com. Just follow the link from MyMac.com or TechFanPodcast.com and uh, check out the specials. I'm going to link to the specials this week. Let's talk about self-checkout, David. This is uh, – I put it in the show notes for last week, but, of course, we went with a different wiki trolling um, with the hairband stuff since that was kind of the thing. By the way, we did get some feedback from Guy Searle. Uh, he wrote, looking at podca- looking at the podcast art, I see a lot of bands I had completely forgot about, some gladly over the years. <laughs> Baltimore's Kicks, for example. 
while they were some good rock in that era, so much of it was formulaic, um, practically monkeys-type bands created for image rather than talent, and barely one step above 90s boy bands. I agree. A lot of a lot of the bands that I you know I found that graphic in in uh, image search and I was like yeah that'll work. Um, most of those bands disappeared after one or two albums, if that, and they were they all sounded the same. That you know I I was looking at this and I recognize quite a few of these Wasp, uh, yeah. Quiet Riot, Hanoi Rocks, uh, Kicks, like he said Vixen. I mean. Extreme Scorpions, Shotgun Messiah. The- well, the sco- yeah, I, th- I think I think it's a bit harsh to put the Scorpions into a uh, a boy band type act. I think they no, but they were but, but their height was in the eighties. Their metal. height was their height with the aces, but I don't think they were uh, like an assembled band. No, which they I think weren't. what 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 um, what guy was kind of hinting at. Yeah, yeah. But there was an awful lot of bands that basically were one hit wonders yeah. because they they you know they. They they hit on. I'm thinking of bands like you. Remember, you remember how big Mister Mister were? Oh sure. And they had one or two big hits, but then they just faded from the sure. scene because they couldn't write. Right. Yeah. So somebody would do them a single. Uh, they would record the single. It would become absolutely massive, and then you'd never hear from them again. Exactly. Um, you know, a lot of these bands still tour the the Indian casino type of places to this yeah. day. You know, I saw one for just recently Tesla who I loved back in the day. Uh, they were going to be at the local casino, and I was like, oh, that'd be good to see. Then I thought, mm, maybe not. Um, I, here's what I will say about last week's topic, and we didn't touch on it. Far and away, and it's not even close, the best of all time music names that they did something with the logo. The logo work on these bands back in the day were freaking amazing. Yeah. Kiss, Metallica, Guns N' Roses. I mean, they all had their own, you know, font in the way that it, they, oh, yeah. I mean, it was the branding for this stuff was just spot on. It, it's uh, really I cool mean, stuff. Yeah. Def Leppard, for instance, yeah. their band, their album art was amazing. And the, of course, no, I'm not talking the, about album art. I'm talking about the logo. Like how they spell Def Leppard on every album. Well, yeah, but that was part of the graphic yeah, that's look true. of the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, it was incorporated into the into the album art. Yeah. It was. You're right. It was branding. It, I mean, the, the probably the the premier thing of that was uh, Iron Maiden with that kind oh, of sure. Eddie Zombie thing. Yeah, yep. That they had, who was you know even people have barely even heard of Iron Maiden know what it is. Yes. Yeah. Or just the logo for Kiss. You yeah. know, stuff like that. They don't do stuff like that, at least from what I've seen. They don't do stuff like that anymore. And I, I think that's kind of a lost art that at least go back to the last episode on either MyMac.com or TechFanPodcast.com. Look at number three, eight, uh, 390, Hair Metal Podcast, and just look at some of those logos. Fantastic work, some yeah. of it. Some of it's pretty stupid. But, I mean, the, the thought and the, the time that they put in it, to make those logos you got to give it up to them they knew how to promote it they knew how to make a kick-ass t-shirt because that's what that stuff was really for yeah. um I, you know i give my I, I take my head off to them that was some pretty cool stuff yeah certainly was and uh anytime you see those brings back a lot of memories mm-hmm. really bad t-shirts usually um 
So let's talk about this Wikipedia entry. And thanks, Guy Searle, for the feedback. Really do appreciate it. Um, self-checkout. Do you have a lot of self-checkouts there in uh, the UK? Everywhere. Yeah. Absolutely everywhere. And um, you know what? It's the. I think the problem with self-checkout is, is as an idea, it's very good. Yeah. It's the way it's, the way it's implemented that kind of sucks. Yeah, um, we. I don't, I don't know what I don't know what they're like in the in the in the states, but certainly here, um, if you can make anybody smile by uh, kind of doing in a mocking tone, unexpected item in the bagging area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody recognises what that means. Yeah, it does here too. Is, you know, you haven't you haven't basically played the self checkout game in the way the design is intended, um, and when you get into that or all the 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 business where. You're halfway through your transaction. Something happens. You know, one checks your age or something like that, and you have to send, sit there and wait for the um, the person who's supervising the entire area to come over and kind of touch something to the screen and put in a code and stuff like that. And at that point, you're thinking this just breaks down because now I'm waiting. Right. One person it who's really the whole busy. Purpose. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So. Um, yeah, you usually get one clerk for every six to eight self-checkout lanes. And that person is way busier than the regular lane that has, you know, an actual clerk checking you out. Um, and heaven forbid, if you got alcohol in the U S don't go through the self-checkout lane because you know, damn well, you're going to be sitting there waiting. Um, here it's uh, here. It's energy drinks. Really? No. Yeah. Because the government's had a big crackdown on making sure those don't get sold to teenagers. So, cause they're so full of sugar and caffeine. So effectively, if you have an energy drink, then the thing will kind of want to card you like you're uh, like you're, you've got booze there. Weird. <laughs> um, self checkout, uh, known also as self checkout, self serve checkout, semi attended, customer activated terminals S A C A T machines provide a mechanism for consumers to per- uh, process their own purchases from a retailer. So pretty standard. As of 2013. There were 191 self-checkout units worldwide, and the nu- number was estimated to reach 325,000 by 2019. It's uh, probably so, a bit more than that now. Yeah, I would think that that's actually thought. on the low side. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's just in California alone. Um, advantages. The benefit to the retailers providing self-checkout machines is to reduce labor cost, which yeah. everyone complains about. They just do this so they don't have to pay people. One attendant can often run four to six or eight. Checkout lanes uh, with the work of the cashier now being assumed by the customer. The size of a self-checkout machine is also smaller than a traditional checkout machine manned by a cashier. Thus, the store can save space, which could be used for more shelves, displays, cabinets, but they don't. Um, So, I get the idea of, of why they kind of went this way. But here's the disadvantages. Number one, shoplifting. Uh, self-checkout is vulnerable to some shoplifting techniques. In some cases, the machine will pick up the attempt to steal or cause a shop shopper to alter their behavior. Uh, what, what the people would do is they would take a barcode off of one thing and put on another one and then go through the self-checkout. Yeah. Now, self-checkouts are by weight. Even on the belt that takes it away from you, it's weighing how much it is. So if you took you know, the, the barcode off of... I don't know, uh, a pair of underwear and stuck it on a big screen TV, it, you're not going to get away with that. Yep. Um, so those are, plus, it's kind of obvious. Um, 
But the other, I guess you'd call it negative side effects. In 2002, a study was carried out where people with disabilities used self-checkout machines and found that existing checkout machines were not designed for accessibility. Oh, you've got no chance you're in a wheelchair. No. Absolutely not Mm -mm. at all. No. In fact, I would say it's even worse than that. You have to be pretty fit and mobile because you're basically doing a job that was previously done by a person mm-hmm. picking everything up and manually scanning. You're doing that now, only you're doing it worse because they, they're, all their stuff was on the level from a from a conveyor belt, right. and they the scanner was set at, underneath uh, at the end of the conveyor belt, and they just literally had to move it mm-hmm. horizontally, yeah, with self-checkout. No, you've basically got to lift that thing up at least two feet, move it over, and then put it down on the other side. And, and, and you know the screens are always too high if you're in a wheelchair. You can't reach yep. that because you've got to reach over the scanning machine up to the screen. It's, it's yeah, even practically if you, even impossible. If you, even if you're not in a wheelchair, if you have any balance issues, oh, yeah. if you have uh, shoulder issues, if you have any upper arm strength issues, if you have issues with grip, you're not going to be able to use one of those right. things. You know. Now, for a time, what I used to do, because I was objected to these on principle, because I knew that the reason they were put in was not to make it more convenient for me. They were there to save the company money right? and, um, and make me do a piece of work that somebody used to be paid to do. So I often used to go in and I used to go to the front of the self-checkout queue if all the others were busy. And they would ask the guy who was running the machines to scan everything for me. Yeah. <laughs> no, because basically it's like, okay, so I don't want to do this. I don't want to deal with the machine right. and all of that. You know, I've kind of stopped doing that now. Well, that's kind of a dick move. (laughs) That's 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 a conclusion I came to. You're being a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, uh, customer interaction. Self-checkouts are also criticized for reducing the possibilities for consumers and store staff to interact and adversely affecting the customer service in general. Self-checkout lanes may lack some rather basic customer service interactions, like informing a customer that a coupon was not accepted and why. Uh, there's also something to be said for getting to know the people at the store. Now, if I have a store, I've got a big grocery store, I I want my customers to interact with my staff. I want, hey, how you doing? I haven't seen you in a week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you build up those rapport with other people. Yeah. And heaven forbid, you, you talk to people. Good yeah. Lord. Hey, you come on. So you can look at it and you go, hey, Jerry, I can see you've fallen off the wagon again. <laughs> Let me, let me check that vodka for you. <laughs> really? 12 boxes of Twinkies? Come on. You, you don't need yeah. this. Have you, what have are you, you looked in a mirror recently? <laughs> uh, low reliability. Being more complex, self-checkouts are more prone to failure. For example, they use scales to weigh goods in the bagging area, and if the scale fails, the machine does not work. Also, in a man checkout lane, uh, any simple problems... Uh, like lack of a receipt paper would immediately be fixed by their operator. While self-checkouts may not be fixed for quite some time. Oh, my God. that's I, I can't tell you how many times we'll go through a self-checkout. Because Julie generally prefers a self-checkout, and I don't. Uh, unless I've got one or two items and there's nobody in the self-checkout, then I'll just breeze through no problem. But generally, I like to go through the manned ones. Because there's always a problem. If you got 40 items... It's just gonna something at least once is going to just not recognized. Um, it's going to be some stupid or, or little some, thing, or, or sometimes things come up at the wrong price because they haven't programmed the offer into the system. Exactly, it's yeah, always something. All of that sort of stuff. Always something. Know. Yeah. What do you what, what do you do in self checkout? If you if you've got a carton of milk, and um, you know these plastic bottles you get nowadays, often if somebody is 
banged one or anything, it'll be it'll have a crack in it. It'll be slowly leaking. The your difficulty you've got then is is like, well, what do you do? You want to go and change it for another one, but you don't really want to leave all your stuff there, right? You know, you kind of then stuck in a in a quandary. The other problem we have in the UK, and this these are worse in the UK because we have a um, a plastic bag tax here. Uh-huh. Yeah, we 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 don't do we have never done paper bags really, right? But um, a few years ago, the government introduced a start at five pence per bag. It's gone up now. I think it's about ten pence a bag to try and discourage people from using plastic bags that just got thrown away. So what most self checkout operators have to do is they've got two options. They either hang the bags up at the back and and rely on an honor system for you to actually say how many you've used because you get charged for them. Or alternatively, and what most of them do is they don't put any bags there and you go and have to ask the lackey who's looking after his eight terminals for a bag or two bags or whatever so that he can make sure that you've actually tagged them up on the system. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, and of course, you know, so so again, that kind of flies in the face of what self-checkout is meant to do for you. Yeah. It is actually making the customer experience worse. Yeah. Um, and, you know, look, it's a great use of technology. I think it's a great use of idea. My pro- as I say, my problem is the way the technology has been implemented to protect the store and uh, that sort of thing and make sure that they have uh, what what they deem to be a reliable shopping experience in terms of you, you can't is they they want to make it hard for you to steal stuff yep. or to miss stuff or whatever just means it's a very very clunky thing where you scan it put it in the bag make sure it registers scan the next and one and it doesn't seem like the technology has improved in the last 10 years at all well not not in those machines because they are effectively static. They're pretty yep. much the same as they always have. Yep. Now, my brother was in Chicago, Chicago a couple of weeks ago, and he went to the Amazon Go store, which is the one where basically there is no checkout. Right. You just basically put stuff in your bag and walk the, out through through the power of Amazon. They know what you bought and they charge you. Yep. Um, and he said it was quite liberating. Yeah, magical. You know, magical. Yeah. Yep. Um, now, whether whether that will scale up. In the long term, I don't know. Um, I have I've done the other ones occasionally, where where basically you get a a hand scanner, and as you put everything in your shopping cart, you scan it. I've seen those, and then, yeah. And then and then you, when you get to the end, you just put the scanner back, and it brings up your bill. Um, those ones are a little bit better if you if you're going to go that route. But the problem is is that is that that's only good if you want to do that because you know you want to avoid a queue at the at demand checkouts. <laughs> and of yeah. course, if you've spent the last hour shopping and then you see there's big queues at the checkouts, yep. you're kind of stuck at that point. Yep, yep. There's, yeah. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. Uh, we do appreciate I, you. I, I will be stunned if we don't hear from Brendan on this. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I, I, I When I first picked this topic, I thought this is a perfect one for Brendan to send yeah. feedback in. Uh, we do appreciate you guys uh, bagging your own groceries at the end of this episode. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and just to assure you, the weight was correct. So we're yeah. good. Uh, we love to get feedback. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. Or you can conversely go to mymac.com and do the self-checkout comment right there on the website. You don't even have to push the send button in your email. Um, or techfanpodcast.com. Of course, we are on Twitter. It's techfanpodcast. And we are on Facebook. You can leave a message any of those places. David and I will get them and read them here on the show. David, I'll see you next week. See you then.